You are listening to the Better Together podcast, brought to you by the National Association of Free Will Baptists. Welcome to the Better Together podcast, where we look for ways we can work together to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, we have with us Pastor Tim Laramore. He's been the pastor of Liberty Free Will Baptist Church in South Carolina for over 23 years. But before he was a pastor, he was a state trooper in the state of South Carolina. So he's had a wide variety of experiences. And so, Pastor Tim, thank you so much for joining us today, my friend. Thank you for allowing us, Dr. Moody. So uh, you're out there giving tickets and uh, giving, you know, working as a state trooper. Uh, what was that like during your days? You were a state trooper for over 12 years, nearly 13 years, weren't you? Yes, sir. From 85 to 97. So most people think it'd be cool to drive those fast cars and uh, respond to accidents and so forth. What was that like for you when you were serving as a trooper for the state of South Carolina? It was cool. <laughs> you drove some pretty neat vehicles, didn't you? Well, mostly I drove the uh, Crown Victoria. My wife prayed me out of a, getting a Mustang. She sold me a but I'd probably get killed in that because I was crazy. And uh, she might have been on to something. And it's not the safest thing to be a state trooper. No, sir. No, sir. And uh, I think today's a lot worse than it was then. Uh, but it was still dangerous. Yes. So as you think about your experiences, there's one experience in particular. And that's the time when you were shot in the line of duty. Maybe share that with our listeners. And I think they can also see how that incident prepared you for what you're doing today okay uh i had been on patrol a little over a year uh at that time uh it was march the 10th 1987 uh i was working routine patrol on uh interstate 26 there in orangeburg county south carolina i stopped the car the car was uh speeding at that time the speed limit was 55 on the interstates and the car was running 76 miles an hour and uh, I got behind the car, uh, turned the blue lights on, the car pulled over just like a normal traffic stop. As I exited my car, uh, at that time, you know, we didn't call in every stop. Oh. So I exited my car and was walking up to the car. The driver of the car kind of rolled out of the driver's seat and just pulled the gun. I threw my hands up. He said, put your hands down and walk back to your car like we're gonna leave. He was very calm. And I had been reading a book uh, leading up to that called The Tactical Edge. Mm. And one of the things it said was never turn your back on someone with a gun. Mm. So as I was walking backwards to my car, he immediately got beside me and had the gun directly in my side. And he said, open the door and sit down like we're going to leave. And I was thinking in my mind, if I sit down in this car, I'm going to probably get shot in the head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he was reaching around me to try to get my revolver out of the holster. And when he wasn't able to get my revolver out, revolver out of the holster, that's when I heard the gun go off. Mm. So I knew I'd been shot. And I tell everybody, uh, I guess adrenaline or fear was so amped up that I never felt that bullet. Mm. Uh, I never felt that shot. I mean, it was just something that I knew had happened. We began to fight. We went out into the interstate. Uh, he was screaming and I was screaming. Um, I don't remember any cars going by, but I remember somebody got out of that car and came back. And when they, he got back there, they threw me across the hood of my car. Mm. 
And when I got on the other side, when I got on my feet, I was trying to run toward the back of the car to get out of the lights because I could hear the gun going off. And the third shot, I remember hitting me in, it hit me in the back. Mm. Um, I immediately turned around, drew my revolver, fired back at them. They jumped in their car, uh, took off, and I got up and I ran back to my uh, patrol car with intentions on chasing them. And But when I got back to the car and I called in, told them where I was at, told them I'd been shot, I realized I couldn't breathe. That second bullet had punctured my lung. Yeah. And I remember kneeling down beside the car with the door open right there in the door jam, setting the revolver right beside the driver's seat. And I remember bowing down and praying, and just asking God, I said, Lord, I don't want to die. I've got a three-month-old baby girl, uh, um, you know. And it was just like a peace come over me. Mm-hmm. a few seconds someone was there with me and uh <clears throat> they got me to the hospital uh did a little bit of surgery had to put a tube in my lung and uh, i was in the hospital for three days and in 20 days i went back to work wow and, so, and went back to work for several more years as a trooper right yes sir uh let me say let me just add this uh I remember in the hospital, the sec- I got out of ICU and my wife actually said, would you like for me to read the Bible to you? Mm. I said, yes. So, so you got a Gideon Bible out of the, out of the nightstand. And she said, where do you want me to read? I said, I, I really don't care. So she began reading in Psalms 21 and I never really thought about it. Nothing just kind of sparked my attention until she got to uh, verse 11. Verse 11 says, for they intended evil against thee. They imagined a mischievous device which they are not able to perform. Therefore shalt thou make them turn their backs, and thou shalt make ready thine arrows upon thy strings against the face of them. Be thou exalted, Lord. And it was just like God gave me a confirmation that I got my hand on you. Everything's going to be all right. Wow. That was, that was pretty good. And they catch the fellows and... How did all that come down, Brother Tim? No, sir. They never caught them. They, uh, <clears throat> the one that they had suspected of doing it, they never could prove it, but he was killed sometime later. Hmm. Um, and, you know, it, it was kind of kind of a funny story. Uh, after that happened, at that time, the Highway Patrol or very few agencies at that time issued bulletproof vests. Ah, so my mom and dad actually gave me the money and I bought me a bulletproof vest and wore it religiously uh, for almost a year. And uh, on July the 4th, 1988, uh, I kind of had it in my mind. I said, it's a holiday. I'm just going to take it easy. I'm going to work my wrecks. I'll write a few tickets and uh, had to go by to take the people out of jail that had been put in jail the night before and get them arraigned. And while I was at the jailhouse, a guy came in and uh, blew the jailhouse up, got in a big shootout. And uh, but praise the Lord, I didn't get hit that time. I had left my bulletproof vest at home. <laughs> oh, boy. Don't don't tell the parents that right after spending yeah. the money to buy the vest. Yeah. But the Lord watched out for me. I, I you know, I got in that big shootout in 1990. I was in a, a major accident. Uh, I was helping, I was running, going to help another trooper that was involved in a chase. And um, a truck pulled out in front of me. I was probably running over 100 miles an hour when I hit the truck. Mm. It 
messed the car up so bad I had to get out of the back seat, couldn't get out of the driver's seat. And uh, but I was fine, nothing. But little did I know that that night my wife had told uh, my little girl they had got down beside the bed and prayed. And she said she got back in the bed that night and had a bad feeling. She said, Heather, we need to pray. And so she got back out and prayed that God would ride in the car with me, not just send angels. Mm-hmm. And about that time, it was probably about the time I was getting in the wreck. How about that? Whew. So you had some adventures as a state trooper. Yes, sir. <laughs> you you started sensing that God was calling you into the ministry, which who wouldn't after being shot at a couple of times and in a major accident. Tell us how that went down, where the Lord spoke into your life and brought you to the point you're at now. I was, uh, I think I was still serving on deacon board at White Savannah Free Will Baptist Church. Uh, my pastor at that time was preacher Buddy C. Yeah. And, um, uh, I don't know. It was like, it was one of those situations where I, I didn't, I tell people I didn't run from being called to preach. I just wanted to make sure that's what God was telling me. Mm-hmm. I would stay up at night and read my Bible and I'd read that verse that he that wins souls is wise. And it finally just got to the point on a Wednesday night. I, I just told God, I said, God, if you don't want me to preach, you better stop because I'm going to stand up and tell everybody that this is what you want me to do. Yes. And uh, when I did, I just had a piece. Um, <clears throat> there was an old holiness preacher that was going to church with us at the time. And um, before I announced my calling to preach, we were up praying around the altar. And he looked at me and said, you just need to do what God's telling you to do. Hmm. I hadn't told nobody. Yeah. When I announced my calling to preach, it was a, then God got to dealing with me about working on Sundays and uh, just, you know, giving him my all. Yes. So one day we was, we was around the altar praying again, and he looked over at me. And he said, you need to go home and read Psalms chapter one and do what God's telling you to do. So I went home and read Psalms chapter one and wrote out my resignation and turned it in the next day. Wow. So you sensed God was calling you. There was no lightning coming down from heaven or uh, audible voice or anything like that, but no, so that would have scared me bad. <laughs> yeah. But you could kind of sense it. And it also sounds like uh, this man speaking into your life and saying certain things like maybe he was saying God was putting his hand on you and calling you into the ministry as well. So it uh, sounds like sometimes if we're not careful, we uh, we think that the call is more obvious maybe than than it might be. Right. Right. I got, I've got two young preachers in my, in my church now. Uh, one of them, preacher Thad Jacobs Jr. His granddad was a pastor. His dad's a pastor. <clears throat> and when he come, he married a young girl in our church and he was already preaching. But I got a young man in my church that's just announced his call to preach. He's about 31, 32 years old. And it was almost like one of those situations where I could see it. Right. A lot of the, folk, a lot of the folks in our church could see it, but we just had to wait on him to make make that decision that God was calling him mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and try to help him. Yes. Uh, we're seeing certain things in you and we're encouraging you to consider that or think about that a bit. Yes. Sir. Yes. Sir. So you were a trooper now for over 23 years, you've been a pastor there at Liberty church. 
what are some of the similarities and differences between being a trooper and being a pastor? Well, you're still dealing with the public. Uh, I, I thought about this the other day. I, my whole adult life, uh, from 21 years old to now, has been in service. Yes. Uh, you know, service to the state of South Carolina. Then God calls you to preach. You're in, you know, you're a servant to the church. And, uh, and I guess being a trooper, uh, we had to, at that time, we had to prosecute our own cases in, in traffic court. Mm-hmm. So that gave me the ability to speak in public because uh, I was shy. I didn't like that. Um, and then when I went to White Savannah, when we moved from Orangeburg back to Conway, South Carolina, went back to White Savannah, uh, started teaching Sunday school. And that was just all working together to prepare me uh, as far as leadership, as far as being a trooper. Uh, it, you're taught to take command. Uh, you talk to you come on the scene of an accident, you take command, you do what you got to do. And I guess that that in some ways helps me as a pastor to uh, to delegate authority, take authority and do what you're supposed to do as a pastor of the church. Yes. So really, those experiences, though, a lot of people would say, hey, that has nothing to do with ministry. It was preparing you, shaping you, kind of like where David said, hey, I dealt with the lions and the bears, prepared him for Goliath and so forth. Um, And so early on, not a public speaker, uh, you know, or anything like that, uh, maybe not even a leader, but the experiences you were having, God was taking it to mold you and prepare you for what he had you doing today. Yes, sir. No doubt. I can see God's hand. In my life, in um, other things on the patrol, I could, you know, when we went to when when I joined the patrol, when I joined the Criminal Justice Academy and graduated in 1985, God sent us to Orangeburg. And to just tell you how God works, um, we got there. There was no Free Will Baptist Church in Orangeburg. We tried some other churches, and of just lack of a better way of saying it, they were dead. Um, so we got out. I got out of church. <clears throat> Got back to doing things as far as, you know, I shouldn't be doing as a Christian. And God sent uh, Pastor Earl Hanna and Miss Bernice Hanna as home missionaries to Orangeburg, South Carolina. And my wife and I were the first members of Liberty Free Will Baptist Church in Orangeburg, South Carolina. And, uh, you know, that was just, and now, now all that happening. And now I am the uh, chairman of the South Carolina home missions. So it's almost gone full circle. So brother Earl goes down, uh, starts this church and they, it ends up changing your life. Really? Uh, Again, it's another way though, of you knowing that firsthand experience for what the Lord's prepared you to do today. Yes, sir. No doubt. That's pretty cool. Brother Tim. God's blessed us. I tell you, he, he, in the 23 years here at Liberty, he's, uh, we've just come off one of our biggest weekends of the year. We do a big Easter drama every year. And it takes about 100 people in our church to put the drama on. And we always do it the weekend before uh, Easter. So this past weekend, we've had about 1,200 people come in and see the drama, had folks be folks saved. Other churches came and backed us up and it's just amazing how God will allow you to do things if you will allow him to lead your life. That's wonderful. So it has not been a boring life, has it? 
No, sir. <laughs> no, so, sir. It has not. My wife always said when I was on patrol that all the rookies wanted to rise with me because there was something going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and, and really, I, in a way, I think that's the way the Lord wants it. It's an adventure to follow him, to serve him. And uh, in a way, you were serving him as a trooper. You know, you were serving the community, the instrument of, of the Lord really is what we think of government officials. He was preparing you for what you're doing now. And maybe all of us should step back and look at some of our experiences and some of the things we're doing right now and ask ourselves, what might the Lord have for me to do based on what I've done or, or what I'm doing and think of it in the context of the gospel and, and serving others. Yes, sir. Anything we do, we can always apply it spiritually. Absolutely. Well, we appreciate you, my friend. We appreciate what you're doing there in the state of South Carolina, serving as a faithful pastor, uh, nearly a quarter of a century, if you think of it in that way. Yes, sir. Um, think about the denominational service on the mission board and uh, everything that happens with that. Um, and definitely, it would not be the kind of life had you not answered that call that the Lord put upon your life and it would be different for so many others. So thank you. Thank you, Pastor, for sharing with us today. And thank you for your faithfulness all through the years, Pastor Tim. Thank you for allowing me, Dr. Moody. And I want to say I appreciate all that you're doing for uh, Free Will Baptist and for our, our denomination. Thank you, sir. Well, you're welcome. We appreciate you. We appreciate South Carolina. And hey, we appreciate you, our listener. Thank you for listening in today. This is an exciting uh podcast if you'll think about it there's something about taking care of law enforcement how people prepare us our situations we encounter for how the god god wants to use that so maybe share this with someone you know that would benefit from it uh, do it on facebook or youtube or wherever you listen to podcast and remember everything we do however small it truly matters when we do it together we truly are better together